Welcome to our service this morning, everyone. My name is Roxy Evans. If I have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, I'm on staff here, and I oversee our life groups. So if you're not in a life group, and our ladies' ministry, and it is my honor to be sharing the Word of God today. I've been praying a lot into it, trusting that this is a word straight from God, so prepare your hearts. But before we get started, I wanted to say thank you to Lara, (laughs) Swen and Lara. Swen is not here. Swen and Lara for this opportunity, and also just to honor them, they are, you can ask the rest of our staff, they are great leaders who are completely full of passion for building God's kingdom, and they are so humble while doing it. So if we can just honor them, I know we did last week, but I really want to honor them. Even in Swen's absence, we'll honor him. So thank you. But I just want to let you know, my heel is coming off, okay? It's been long since we had winter, so if you see me trip or fall or get annoyed, that is why I realized during worship when I almost slipped over here because it's so slippery. But we are almost at the end of our first week of fasting, everyone. (laughs) We're cheering for the end of fasting. No, we are cheering because it's been amazing. How's everyone's fast been going? Good, good. I've heard some, it's challenging. I've heard some, it's hard. Even the kids were fasting pizza. I was very impressed. <laughs> I've heard it's hard. I've heard it's been challenging. Some people have just not had words. They're just like, I can't, I've got nothing to say. But I've heard amazing testimonies. Just this morning, I heard an amazing testimony of someone who's already experienced breakthrough in the first three days of fasting and just their time with God. And I've heard amazing testimonies of people saying they've taken this time, obviously this is why we fast, to push into God and to prioritize their time with Him and their time in the Word. So that's the whole point of fasting, right? Is getting back to feeding our soul with spiritual nourishment. So as we deprive our bodies of food or our minds of social media or we just stop that unhealthy habit, we realize actually how much we deprive ourselves of our souls and ourselves of spiritual nourishment because we actually taking that time and focusing on Jesus and focusing on his word and I know for me it's been amazing so far so I hope it's been amazing for everyone and I'm really trusting God that we're going to have incredible testimonies coming out of this fast so we are fasting as we lead into Easter as we celebrate Jesus and all that he did for us And so our messages leading up to Easter are also focusing on Jesus. So for my message today, I dived into the book of John. If you haven't yet read the book of John, do yourself a favor. Go and beg, borrow, and don't steal. Rather invest in getting a study Bible and dive into John. It is beautiful. John was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus, and so his story is so personal and so powerful, and he speaks about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, and it's beautiful. Okay, so just trust me, it's beautiful. We're going to dive into it a bit today, but my heart for us today is this. I really pray that we get back to just Jesus Jesus, pure and simple, pairing back from everything else and just seeing Jesus for who he is, 
just being reminded of who Jesus is. Because we can put it up here. (laughs) When we understand who Jesus is, we are compelled to believe what he says. Can I say that again? When we understand who Jesus is, we are compelled to believe what he says. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this word that you have given us today. And God, I pray that you will anoint my mouth with your words. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will reveal yourself to us. Reveal who you are, Lord Jesus, what you came to do for us, what we have in you. God, I pray for softened hearts, and I thank you for your promise that says your word does not return void. God, I pray that you'll do something in our hearts, that you will grow our faith. We pray this in Jesus' mighty holy name. Amen. So the title of my message today is... Who do you say I am? Our whole spiritual life depends on our answer to this one question. Who is Jesus? And I know we hear because we believe that he exists. But who is Jesus? If we go back to the Gospels of Matthew and Luke and Mark... Jesus is recorded having a discussion with his disciples, and he says to them, who do people say I am? And they respond, John the Baptist, Elijah, and various other prophets. And of course, we know that those answers are incorrect. And he then directs the question to them, but who do you say I am? Now, Jesus knows everything, and he knew their thoughts, so it wasn't an ignorant question He wasn't really trying to find out. He was wanting to find out if they were following the crowds or if they had had a revelation from God as to who Jesus was. So he poses this question to them to help them understand where they are on a spiritual level. So he asked them, who do you say I am? And he was very pleased. You see? My heel. That's off. No, we don't have to worry. He, I'll get it later. Um, <laughs> he was very pleased to hear Peter say to him, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And this was a complete turning point in Jesus' ministry because finally he could see the fruit of his disciples growing in their faith, maturing in their faith, and in their understanding of who Jesus was. And Jesus calls the same from us. He requires the same from us. He doesn't want us to just go, oh, I believe that you exist, and I'm going to come to church on Sundays. His desire is that we are discipled, that we grow in our maturity year after year, month after month, that we grow in our understanding of who he is so that we will believe what he says and we will act in faith. And that is how we grow in our faith in Jesus. And so I'm going to take you back a little bit to my little story of growth in my relationship with Jesus. Go back to my days of the Methodist church as a little kid, and we attended Sunday school, and I understood that Jesus was 
this amazing man who wore robes and, you know, like rope belts and dusty shoes and long hair and a beard, and he was very kind and he loved children. That was my idea as a child. But I clearly did have an understanding that he was the giver of all good things because I have this vivid memory of coming up to Christmas and there was this white ribbed tight little dress that I wanted. It was a desire. And I said to my mom, please, mom, for Christmas, I want, I want this dress. And she was like, it's not happening. It's not happening. And Christmas came and I ripped open my presents and there was this white dress. And I like, we must have been camping because I had this memory of running into my caravan and being like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I think I wore this dress for like two years solid. So I, understand, I understood that, the, you know, good things came from Jesus. Um, and then going into my teen years, I believed in Jesus and I prayed to him when I had a need. But when I became a young adult, I really had this encounter with God that turned my life upside down, inside out. And things changed from there. And going into adulthood, I had challenges of all kinds, obstacles, you know, challenges in marriage, challenges in parenting, challenges with health. I, had, I experienced loss. I experienced letdown. And through all of this, and doubt, actually, in who Jesus was, and through all of this journey, I had to get to a point where I understood who Jesus was. And I believed what he said, and I implemented it into my life, and I lived it out. I declared his word. I held him to his word. I declared his promises of my life. And it's a journey. It's been a journey for me, and it continues to be a journey to grow in my relationship and in maturity in Christ, understanding who he is and believing what he says and acting out in faith. So I want to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? If we go to the book of John, he starts the book in the most powerful, complex way by explaining who Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity are. And I'm going to read it for you. It's going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to read it. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought e light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's such a powerful, complex beautiful, possibly simplistic description of God and of Jesus. But who has been completely confused by those words? <laughs> the Word became flesh, and the Word was, and the Word is, and the... it confused me. <laughs> so I'm going to give us a little description and breakdown of what this truly means. And it means that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit have always existed. They always existed together in unity. Three persons in one. And it explains that, John actually explains that Jesus is the logos. It's a Greek word for the spoken word of God. He is fully man, but fully God. So he is God in all his glory, all his sovereignty, holy. And he clothed himself, himself in human form and came to earth 
to live in Jesus so that he could live as the perfect teacher, as the perfect model, and die as the perfect sacrifice so that we can stand in right standing with God. That is a description of this powerful, complex first part of John. And Paul reiterates this in Colossians 1.15, and he says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And in every chapter of John's book, 21 chapters, Jesus' deity, so his divine nature is revealed, but his identity is also revealed. And it's revealed through seven I am statements that Jesus speaks. He describes himself as these. They're going to come up on the screen. I am the bread of life. John 6.35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. God is saying he is our spiritual sustenance. He restores us. He is all that we need. As bread sustains our body, Jesus sustains our spirit, our soul. Number two is, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. He says that he is the light in our lives that transforms our lives so we don't have to walk in darkness, despair, or hopelessness. He is the light. Number three is, I am the door, the gate, depending on your translation. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Jesus is saying, I am the only way to the eternal life and to freedom and to peace. How beautiful. Number four is, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11 and 14 to 15. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. God is our provision. He is our protection. He is our power. He is our guidance. He is our loving Father. Number five, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is our Savior. He is our true life. He is the only way to our Father God. And that's in John eleven twenty five to 26. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. True life. Number six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, I am the only way. If anyone else professes to be the way, they are robbers and thieves. The only way to eternity and to true life is through Jesus. And number seven, I am the vine. I love this one. John 15, one and five. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain connected in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. That is plain and simple. In Jesus, we can have 
fruitful, victorious lives, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what obstacles, no matter what challenges we have in life, if we stay connected to the true vine, we will be fruitful. We will live victorious lives. So these I am statements, I am, I am, what does that mean? Jesus is declaring that he is God. This is the name, the holy name that God used for himself to say that I am. I am the eternal power. I am the unchanging character. I have always existed and always will. I am. So Jesus is declaring that he is God. He is everything that we could ever need in this life. So this is who Jesus is. This is our firm foundation that we were singing about. This is Jesus. This is our foundation. So now that we've reminded of that, I know we all knew it, we're just a fresh reminder. Let's build some faith onto that foundation. So let's dive into some more of John and learn a little bit more about some of the miracles that Jesus did in John and listen to some testimonies. So there are miracles throughout the 21 chapters in John. Go and read it for yourself. Beautiful. The Word is alive and powerful, so get into the Word and be reminded of the God that we serve. Don't just wait to come here and hear it. Dive into the Word yourself. It is alive and powerful. I can, I can vouch for that because just getting into the Word for the sermon today just sparked this understanding of who Jesus is and a belief for his word. So I really want to encourage you to get into the word, especially now while you're fasting. You've got extra time. Okay, so the first story I want to read is from John 4, and it is about the government official. It's going to come up on the screen. As Jesus traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana. We had turned the water into wine. We all know that story. So there was a government official in nearby, <coughs> excuse me, Capernaum, whose son was very sick. And we heard that Jesus had come from Judea. <coughs> I thought that was going to help me, but it made things worse. <laughs> when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. And Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said, and he started home. And while the man was on his way, some of his servants met with him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to feel better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the time that Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. A point I want to make from this story is that Jesus tested the official's faith. He tested his faith so that he could reveal his true motive for seeking Jesus. Because he experienced so many people who just wanted him for his miracles. But he wanted to test his faith. And his faith proved true because he walked 20 miles just to get to Jesus because he understood who he was. And when he got to him, he, he, he 
called him Lord. And as the story goes, he officially had higher authority than Jesus, you know, before they realized who he was. Officially, he had high authority, but he referred to him as Lord. He understood who Jesus was, and he proved his faith. And so Jesus healed his son. But Jesus tests his faith even further, because from that story you can hear, he said, Jesus, come home with me to heal my son. That was his expectation, but Jesus didn't. He said, your son is healed. You go home. And he had to take Jesus at his word. He had to believe what he said, and he did. He passed that faith test as well. He understood who Jesus was, and he believed what Jesus said, and he acted in faith, and he went home. And the result of his faith in understanding who Jesus was was that his son was healed, and his entire household, not just his family, his entire household was saved. How would we, how many of us would have taken Jesus at his word without seeing a miraculous demonstration? Is there a prayer that hasn't been answered the way that you expected it to be? And how is that affecting your faith? And will you give God the opportunity to answer in his way? The second story that I want us to dive into is from John 6, 1 to 15. And we all know this one too. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, Jesus, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he knew he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. <laughs> then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. After he did the same with the fish. And they ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers, the leftovers, <laughs> so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces, filled 12 baskets with scraps left by people who had eaten the five barley loaves and two fish. Again, Jesus tested their faith. He asked Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? But he knew what he was going to do. He knew there wasn't a human uh, response. There wasn't a human way to, uh, a natural way to provide for all these people. But he was testing his faith to strengthen his faith. And they immediately started going, oh, the probable cost and the impossibility of this task, there's just no way. Like they immediately, their focus went from Jesus to their obstacle. Now, these are men who did life with Jesus. They saw his miracles. They lived with him. And in one instance, they turned their focus from Jesus to their obstacle. And the disciples' faith is contrasted here with 
the young boy's faith. Because the disciples had plenty of resources, way more than this young boy. But in the natural, they knew they didn't have enough, so they didn't give anything at all. The little boy who had that faith of a child that the Word speaks about gave the little that he had because he understood who Jesus was. And Jesus performed one of the most spectacular miracles with what he gave him. And more than 5,000 people were fed. And it speaks into God's character because there were leftovers. This just says that God blesses in abundance. God blesses in abundance. He takes what you will give him from your time, your resources, your abilities, and he multiplies it beyond your wildest dreams, your wildest expectations. So another question I want to pose. What is our response to an impossible circumstance when it arises? Do we understand who Jesus is and we believe his word and we act in faith? Or do we immediately look at the impossible obstacle in front of us? Or are we A-types who jump into planning, I'm going to make it happen, I'm going to make this work. I'm married to one of those. It, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> And Phil's looking at JM. What is our response when we are faced with an impossible task? Again, when we truly understand who Jesus is, we are compelled to believe what he said and put our faith into action. We so often look at the obstacles, the circumstances, the challenges in our lives, and get distracted, and we allow that to determine our faith level instead of keeping our eyes on God, understanding who He is, believing what He says, and acting in faith. So can I ask you the question, where are you looking? Who do you say Jesus is? Again, from the beautiful book of John, the study Bible, he describes Jesus says this, and I'm going to welcome up our worship team. As I conclude and bring this all together, it says this, and then he came in the flesh to a speck in the universe called planet Earth. The mighty creator became a part of the creation, limited by time and space, and susceptible to aging, sickness, and death. But love, but love propelled him, and so he came to rescue and save those who were lost, and to give them the gift of eternity. He is the Word, He is Jesus, He is the Messiah. As we've been reflecting on Jesus and being reminded as to who He is and who we are in Him and what we have in Him, the freedom, the peace, the truth, true life, sustenance, I want to ask you what the prayers are on your heart, either just today in this season, during this fast. Are you needing peace? 
from God? Jesus says, I am. Are you needing comfort and love? Jesus says, I am. Are you needing direction and wisdom for changes in your life, decisions you need to make in your life? Again, Jesus says, I am. Are you needing healing for yourself or a loved one? Jesus says, I am. Are you needing to get to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or family members to get to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Jesus says, I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. Let's not let life's circumstances allow us to grow weary in our faith, but let's let our faith, as it gets tested through life's circumstances, let's act in faith and believe Jesus is who He says He is. Continue believing, be expectant, and continue to grow in maturity into who God called us to be. I'm going to ask us to stand. we can just close our eyes and bow our heads. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I really pray that this brought a great understanding and revelation of who He is, I want to pray for you today if you want to hand over your life and your heart to our one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. So you can pray quietly in your heart. I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to earth to live and die and be resurrected again for us out of your great unconditional love for us so that we can be in right standing with you. Lord Jesus, I pray for your forgiveness for our sins and we surrender our hearts and our lives over to you, trusting who you are, believing in your word, And may we live our lives out in faith. Lord, I pray that you'll surround us with your presence and guide us every day of our lives. We surrender our hearts to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. If you did give your heart to Jesus, we're gonna keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. You're welcome to raise your hand. One of our frontline members will give you a bag of resources to help you on your walk with Jesus. But I want to just pray for us as a church. I want to pray for us to truly have a revelation of who Jesus is in our lives, that we can grow in our maturity and in our walk with Him. So God, I thank You so much for who You are. Thank You so much that love propelled You to come to earth to live and die and be raised again for us so that we can be in relationship with you, Father. And I pray for such a revelation for us, God, of who you are, the freedom and the peace that we have in you, God. I pray that faith will grow as we draw into you, God. Lord, I pray that you will bless us, God, those desires of our heart that we are expectant to see you move. God, I pray that you will give us faith in you to trust in your answer. God, I just commit our lives to you, Father, and I pray that you will guide us and lead us 
every step of the way. We love you, Father, and we pray this in your holy name. God, I pray here for surrendered hearts as well, Lord. There's areas in our lives that we haven't yet handed over to you, that we haven't trusted you with. I pray, God, as a church, we will surrender to you now. I pray this in your holy name, Jesus.